For a long time, jewelry designers have found inspiration in all kinds of materials. It's not always appreciated, but the history of jewelry is as diverse in its use of shape as it is in its use of materials. As designers, we are attracted to the properties of a material, its color, weight, malleability, and how it can be formed or shaped. In today's laboratories, new materials are invented regularly, and they can be unlike anything we've seen before, which provides new opportunities for innovation in our creative practices. An artist and researcher who came across a very interesting material and made it the topic of contemplative research, creative exploration and artistic inquiry and collaboration is Professor Ioannis Mikalodis. To tell us more about his career, practice and the material he investigated for many years, I'm excited to welcome Ioannis. Welcome. Thank you very much, Sophie. Thank you very much for the lovely introduction and, and allow me not to to speak like a professor, but uh, like a lover of art. Okay, let's start like that. Allow me, allow me to 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 speak in a more informal way, so we will we will be more in touch with your audience, and also with our heart. Yeah. So my first question, Janis, is, is to ask if you could start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Okay, now now it starts the mythology, okay? So I was born in a bus, and this is real. This is not a joke. I was really born in a bus. So my mom had not the time to go to the hospital several kilometers from the from our village. I was born in, in the bus. And one year after, we moved in Athens, and I, raised, I was raised in Athens. So... Um, my first school was uh, interior design. I finished interior design, textile design, most, more, more precisely. So uh, I had the first touch with the material, uh, with the textile. Then uh, I got a scholarship from a small medium enterprise um, organization in Greece to go to Paris to make fashion design. What are you doing with textile? You make fashion. That was a, a good continuation for a master's. That was in the school of uh, Art Deco in Paris. The Art Deco school is is, an, is a very famous school that it doesn't belong to the education system, but it belongs to the culture. And there, I found an announcement saying that if you have uh, the um, Art Deco school diploma, you can go to the uh, license level to the let's say final year of BA in arts and science of art in Sorbonne University. So I went with my folio, my portfolio, a very heavy portfolio with textile design and fashion design. I saw it to a very excellent uh, professor there, a very interesting professor who was making design and cinema. And he says, your, your folio is excellent. I will not take you on BA. I will take you last level for masters. And if you want, you can continue and doctorate. That's how, you know, from a very humble textile designer, let's say, I, I, I went and I started my PhD in Sorbonne University. And the theme of the PhD was um, androgynous garment, the garment of androgynous. So I was talking about the relationships between visual arts and design. 
It was like the love between the arts. And this research gave me the opportunity to speak about the elastic arts, that the arts are not visited. There is no visual arts and design and architecture and music, but they are elastic. One can be stressed to another. That it is a little bit my path, uh, academic and life path. After the PhD, 1998, 24 years now, I went back to Greece for the military services and I got a Fulbright award to go to make a cubic cloud at MIT. <laughs> that it was a crazy idea I had to, you know, fashion design um, is to cover yourself, to have a, another, let's say, a habitat. And a cloud, there is, there is a, a poem in uh, the, the Iliad saying that the gods were covered with clouds. That it was from, from my childhood, I, I remember this image. And I say, okay, why not to make a cubic cloud? Not just to put it on your, or your, or your shoulders, but uh, uh, to make a cubic cloud. And this idea of the cubic cloud drive me to MIT, that uh, they accepted me for a postdoc research to make a research of how to shape steam. That was the art and science beginning. And uh, then somebody is approaching me there, Adam Whitton. He's a, a robotic uh, engineer and uh, researcher. And he says, I think I have something that you may be interested about it. I have a piece of cloud. I say, okay, <laughs> I don't believe you. Probably you have a piece of cotton, but <laughs> anyway, he shows me a piece of silica aerosol, and that's why I am here with you today to speak about this material. It was not a piece of cloud, it was a piece of sky. I was looking for a cubic cloud and I found the sky itself. And maybe to follow on from that, you are now a visual artist, an academic, a researcher. You've had a career that sort of crosses if you consider those disciplinary boundaries, you've crossed all of them in a way with your work. What drew you to choose this career path and not do something else? The, the, the word, the key word in all what I'm doing is love. Okay, eros, eros, erotic. Uh, in Greek, erotici, uh, question, is uh, the same origin as eros, love. So, when you pose questions, you have a love to go to find the answer. So that was my 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 driven force, we can say, for everything I was doing. Of course, I I I stick it not through the economics, but I went to the path of um, of uh, art and design and uh, the academia. But um, all that it was just a question of love and especially love for beauty. I I I'm looking for beauty. You know, this is the the question mark, where and how I will find beauty. And this cross-disciplinary, my path is, is I can say parallel roads, not uh, cross-disciplinary, but parallel roads. Or um, we, can, we can name it that um, it is, um, you change hats. You have one head, but many hats. You change hats, but you have the same head under, under the hat. For example, now I am in um, the dean of the Faculty of Arts, and humanities at the American University in Cyprus. So there, the hat is to 
give, uh, let's talk about viruses now, to give the virus of love to the students. <laughs> you know, you have the virus, you have, you, you are looking for beauty and you have to give this to young generation that they will take it and continue, not your path, but their own path. Probably you give them, you mentor them. And this is also my system of uh, teaching. I'm not teaching, I'm not lecturing. I'm asking the the students to bring the lectures and I mentor them. I say where I find that interesting and how we can continue. It's a, more a dialogue. Let's say my philosophy, my pedagogical philosophy. But the behind this, again, is the love for young generation that they are the future. Uh, I told them every day, they are, you are the future. You will discover the world. Of course, my contribution is I will bring you with the virus, virus of uh, love of beauty. The virus, the other virus is curiosity. Uh, the third virus will be observation. So I give them many virus, viruses. And you, you know what I mean? I mean by viruses, because we are talking about that. We need tutors. We need um, people around us that inspire us. This is the kind of virus that uh, they are taking. Um, when I hear I, I wear the, the the hat of the artist, let's say it is um, first of all I, I I was lucky enough to be original in all my uh, all my behavior. It was originality. I don't like copy paste, and this is also something that I want to pass to the students. Copy paste is is humiliating. It's not something that it is original. It doesn't create. So copy-paste from the internet, copy-paste from materials, copy-paste, it was not my job. Also, and this is something for all your listeners, your audience, and especially for young students, if you are original, if you go for originality, you will attract also funding. You will attract also scholarships. We have the experience to see if something is original or not. So if you are in a jury and you see plenty of um, proposals, you see which one is original and immediately attracts also funding. So that's, that's how I'm... Um, and the third, let's say, uh, heart uh, of a scientist or researcher or um, investigator or material scientist, I don't know, I don't, I don't want labels, I don't put labels, but uh, the, this one came because I am very weak in chemistry when I was in high school. My marks in chemistry was very, very bad, uh, but uh, I, I don't mind because I was in the uh, in the art domain, so I made the design path and everything. But after I came across with this material that we will speak about, I was obliged to reinvent myself in chemistry. So I had to learn. I know more. Now it's 20, 20 years, 15th of October of uh, 2002, I met the material. Now we have, yeah, 20 years and some days that I met this material at MIT from Adam Witton. So uh, there I had to invent myself as a scientist. But again, it is an extension of your human being. Uh, it's an extension of your uh, identity. Of course, you risk because this elastic extension can smash you back okay so you have to be very careful of, on elasticity it can be vulcanized very easily or it can uh, bounce you back anyway 
So uh, I started investigating this material because of uh, one, and uh, the reason that it was the most important is that it looks like a piece of sky. When you have it, and I have, I have some here, if, but <laughs> you see, now we are in podcast, we cannot see, we can hear. But why, why not? We can hear probably the noise if I have something here to drop it down so you can hear the, the, the glass noise. So can you hear that? Yeah, very, very quiet, but yes. Excellent. So this, this uh, um, sound of glass when it is dropping down, it is um, declaring that the material is uh, glass, but it is 1% glass and 99% nothing. In your TEDx talk, you expand on your use of the material as nothingness and sort of captured sky. This is what I took away from the talk. And you have created work to communicate as well with this material, your concerns about environment and climate. Now, in a world where anthropocentric thinking is prevalent, how do you think artists, designers, and given my audience also jewelers, whose canvas is often the human body, could and perhaps should meaningfully engage with this sort of theme? Very nice question. And I have a very simple answer, and then I will develop it. The answer is looking to the sky. Looking to the sky, what do I mean by that? The sky is the, the breath of our planet, is the protection of our planet and the breath of our planet. It has droplets, it has oxygen, it has all the ingredients that we need in order to not be destroyed by the ultraviolet radiation. If we lose the sky, then we will not have a planet. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, as a, uh, an artist, I make jokes, but also as an academic, I continue my jokes. Uh, I say I have, a, I have published a paper uh, with the title Etherospermia. I said it's, it's time not to go to make terraforming to other planets, but to make sky forming to other planets. So to create, let's say, take the sky spores, put the astronauts to seed, uh, pieces of sky to other planets, then we can go to, we, we, we speak about the Earth as many layers, but we forget the last layer that it is the sky. The sky that has many layers also, until we don't have gravity and everything, and we go to the outer space. But thinking about and looking to the sky and thinking about the sky, I believe it's not only an environmental meaning or message, it is also a crucial existential uh, message. So the answer to your question is, if you wish to find a solution as artists or um, uh, and also designers and jewelers and to, to find a meaningful doing for your career is look to the sky. You will find. I found the sky itself, the personification of the sky. Probably somebody else will find something, but coming from the sky, coming from this let's say father or mother or parent that protect us. And if we lose, uh, then we are destroyed. And this is, you know, I, I started with textile, fashion, and the sky is the garment of our planet. It protects us. 
So it is, I'm continuing the same study, but in a different way of thinking and a different um, way of uh, uh, observing the same thing, but from another point of view. And speaking ab about interdisciplinarity and many hearts is exactly this. You are observing the same thing from different points of views. Today, as a scientist, tomorrow as a jeweler, to, uh, the other day as a designer or um, or, or uh, as an academic, but always we are going to something that it is above us and we are looking to the sky. If you look to the sky, you will find everything. Everything from inspiration until uh, happiness. Everything, everything. I'm going to go back to the material because I think our listeners may never have heard about um silica aerogel so i would like to ask you to sort of tell us a little bit about this material you've told us that how you came in touch with it but perhaps as well what fascinated you so that it's now been 20 years that you have explored it through various means and in artistic capacities and in collaboration we are talking about the personification of the sky a piece of uh, sky as i say so the, the, this material, the name of this material is silica aerogel. So silica is glass, aerogel is air and gel. You, you make a transformation of the material from a gel to solid, to a solid that it is 99% nothing. So this material was discovered back, back in 1937 uh, between two chemists. They, it was a bet between two chemists uh, can you dry the marmalade in a jar without stringing it, without destroying the structure, the network of the marmalade? Um, so the gel of the marmalade. Uh, and uh, Kistler find a way that we name it supercritical drying to dry the marmalade inside the jar without stringing it. So this is the silica aerosol. The silica aerosol was the first... Uh, uh, aerogel he made um, back in uh, the 40s and uh, since then this material was um, uh, was very uh, forgotten but uh, in the beginning of uh, the century 2000 yes they had in NASA a project of capturing stardust so they wanted a material that can withstand a lot of um, heat and a lot of pressure and the only material on Earth that can withstand 1,200 degrees Celsius and 4,000 times its weight is silica aerosol. So it is a very tough material, but it is delicate like sky. It looks like, and I, I invite the, the, the audience to go Google stardust.com or NASA Stardust and they will find more information. So when I came across to this material at MIT, I say, this is ethereal, it's not existing, it's like a, like a poem. You could make immediately the idea, you could make a sculpture out of it and hover it in between magnetic fields. That was the first, the first idea. Because it's so light, so it's, so you, it's like a phantom, it's like a, a fairy. Anyway, and... Um, then I was Googling and I found where I can found to, to make this material. There, there were NASA that uh, they had the knowledge to make and one more laboratory in uh, California, Ocellus Technologies. So 
I get in contact with the scientist and uh, uh, the owner of the Celis of Technologies, Michael Drogi, and I went there and we started discussing. He had made the spheres, the first spheres, for scientific purposes, for some measurements. Uh, so I said, if he can make a sphere, he can make sculpture also. I will make the molds because we are not sculpting, we are molding the sky. So I will make the molds and he will give me the recipes, the know-how, the trade secrets, whatever. And that's how we started. That's how we started. And um, I have to admire the American way. Uh, he's, he told me something. I will put everything because I like the idea. I will not uh, ask for um, a dollar about that. But once you will uh, get uh, funding for making uh, your own apparatus, then you will come to us to buy the technology. So I do that. Uh, for five years, Michael was doing all the sculptures. We are friends, of course, now, and collaborators. Every time I want to make something, I, I send him a, a message and I say, and he replies, no, wait a minute, this is dangerous <laughs> because we are playing with very high pressures and high temperatures. So you have to be very careful. Anyway, so that's how I met Silica Aerosel. Silica Aerosel is a, the, the best insulator worldwide. It was used for the stardust because they collect comet samples from the tail of the comet uh, that could be introduced to these sponge of glass. So they, they, they heat the sponge of glass and they, they cannot go outside of it. And, you know, a comet uh, a sample or a comet dust has uh, three times the speed of a bullet. So this material can stop a bullet. Imagine, it's like the personification of the sky, very ethereal, but it can stop a bullet. You see the paradox. It is a personification of art also. We say, ah, the artist is very delicate, very sensible. But if you see the artist, how they change the world, uh, if you see Leonardo, if he was <laughs> an artist, an engineer, what, what, he, what he was. Anyway. This kind of paradox attract me immediately and I stick with it, with it and I made so many projects and I have so many projects to continue. And now it starts, uh, the, uh, let's say, the, the second generation of, of uh, people interested about that. And uh, we, we believe that it will be this kind of art science projects and nanoscience projects will continue because uh, research, it is like nanotechnology that it is um, molding or shaping from within. So you are creating not from outside inside, but from inside outside, that uh, um, it is a research for the future. That's why it is not well accepted yet, because, oh, they say, oh, it is very delicate, very, very fragile. No, it is not fragile, it is delicate. It is different. You have to handle it in a, in a certain way until you know how to make it more robust. For example, now they can do uh, elastic aerosols. So you don't break it at all, but they, they, don't, they cannot withstand much, that much um, temperature. So you lose in some qualities, you, you win in, in some others. With the fragile nature of the material, what comes across in your work in terms of that anthropocentric is, is forcing us to change our way of handling this material. 
and changing our behavior towards the work that you create. Wow, wow. I like this approach. Yes, uh, first of all, I change. Since I have this material, I change the way I'm touching, the way I am thinking about fragility, delicateness, and about also our sky. So you see, it is. this is exactly what I say. It is a personification of the sky. It changes your mind of uh, how we hunt. And we are living in a paradox moment. So we have an empty, let's say, broken sky. But in the same time, we have to make our wombs and uh, this wounded sky to save the planet and continue our story to other planets. But uh, this kind of delicateness or uh, fragility, yes, of course, it changed my mind and it will change the mind of everybody. You know what? When you meet the material, I, I wish we will have images, but when you meet the material, you don't believe in your eyes. You become a child. You want to press it. You want to to compress it, to break it. You want to eat it. You want to put it in your mouth. So it is. It is. You want to extend your eyes to other senses in order to capture well what is this. And this is happening to everything that it is new, and the the fear of the new also. It comes, all these uh, sensations and also uh, emotions are coming because you see something that it is so different, exotic. Exotic means from outside. You know, as a Greek, I have a, a, a love of words uh, and a love of traveling. Uh, I, I used to say that I have the syndrome of Odysseus. It's, it doesn't exist in psychology, this syndrome, but it is... Because traveling and all the sales, traveling in a, in a bad way, it means that you are suffering from that. And we are suffering. Now, as humanity, we are suffering. Our planet, our ship is not in a, in a good mood. So we want to have messages that will change the opinion of the public, the big public, and the opinion also of the specialists about this planet. And every day... You know, I, I remember when I say I hear uh, papers or I read papers about terraforming, I say, why going to another planet, you destroy it. So you have to stay back and restore it. And of course, in in, in two or three generations, I don't believe that we will destroy the world. And uh, the world is much bigger than us. But uh, it's just uh, an ego, uh, uh, how we say that, an ego projection that... Uh, we are powerful to destroy the world. This beauty of the sky will protect us. Don't worry. <laughs> May I go on to ask you about, you know, your work with this new material, which also resulted in a collaboration with high jewelry designer Claire Choison at Maison Boucheron. How did this collaboration start and evolve? And what was the experience like? Uh, thank you for this question. It is. It was Always, uh, I believe in teamwork. The artist, of course, he has uh, the the, uh, the time to reflect, to produce or to create uh, with loneliness. But when you go to design, it is a teamwork. You cannot go to loneliness. You cannot be alone there. So this came uh, again from the bottled sky. So I have an online uh, shop, skyforsale.com. 
And uh, this is also resailed by a United States um, ESOP again by Aerozel.com. So Claire found, because they wanted to make a collection to the sky, to the atmosphere, to, to offer to the sky, to the sublime of the, of the sky, uh, they found uh, these bottled skies that I have on this ESOP and they ordered one. So I got an email saying that Maison Bousseron ordered a bottled sky. <laughs> Imagine, I know Maison Bousseron from my um, Paris studies there. And I say, okay, I will contact them. I will, uh, you know, I because, <laughs> because I am original, <laughs> I, I have also, I dare a lot. I dare a lot. I don't, um, I'm not shy. I believe in what I'm doing and uh, I I don't stop in names or um, formalities. Uh, this is uh, something that I have it uh, since uh, I uh, I finished my uh, textile design. Uh, and I, I say always to my students, you need to communicate with others. If you don't know how to communi communicate your idea, you stop your idea in 50% or 40%. The communication is much, much more important than the idea. So anyway, I communicate with um, Claire and she said, if you are passing from Paris, pass to see us. And so I went there with my suitcase with samples. They were amazed. And uh, we started with uh, uh, an MOU memorandum. We signed an memorandum of five years and we started collaboration, investigation in the beginning because they wanted to make something, but they don't knew yet what is possible, what is not. Because there, we have some limits, limitation based on the material. Every material has limitations. For example, the limitation of this material is that it is delicate. You have, if you want to wear it, you have to encapsulate it with something transparent. So little by little, we found that this transparent uh, material has to be quartz. So the, um, the silica aerosol had been encapsulated with quartz, diamond, and white gold. A very um, amazing experience. It's, it was an experience inside the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, we had, yeah, it was a, a, an excellent experience because um, a very, very risky also because post offices were closed. And I posted my... Gems, I, I will say my gems, uh, to Pousseron three days before the post is closed. And the post was closed in, in, in Paris three days before. So the, the gems were closed in the post office of Paris for three months. <laughs> Crazy. And they had, they had the defile, what we named the defile, the catwalk. July and the post office was opened in June. From March to June, it was sticking inside the the, the, the post office. Anyway, and then um, so the we had two years of collaboration. 2018, we started this kind of bottled sky uh, boat from uh, Claire Choison, and uh, we we started uh, this co uh, collaboration. I travel there and they gave me a very good amount. I, they paid me very well, uh, I can say, for the research and development of the project. And um, it went out July of 2020. Um, it was a, a pendant 
out of uh, 6,000 and something uh, diamonds and white gold and one drop, sky drop of aerosol. The, I like very much also Claire had um, uh, adopted my idea of the sky and she named the, the, this sky drop. So uh, she named after that. And um, it is a uh, uh, good de ciel en français, in French. Good de ciel. Uh, not taste of ciel, of, of the sky, but uh, good de ciel. Good is drop, sky drop. So, and also a bracelet uh, that it was again with white gold diamonds and um, a core of, uh, of uh, aerosol, silica aerosol and quartz, protected from uh, with quartz. Yet it is not going to big public. It is for high jewelry and they are working with um, uh, orders. So whenever we have an order, we make whatever it is needed and uh, we go forward. This is how it works. And I, I can say that uh, I wish, uh, because jewelry and fashion, they, they have a pretendent profile sometimes. Uh, they have uh, what we name a fake a fake face. Uh, this was not happening with uh, with uh, Busseron and especially with uh, Claire. And I was very happy to collaborate. They are very business-like. They know how to do that. And they know what are the difficulties of research and development. And sometimes the difficulties of a, a, an artist who is working in design without being paying constantly. So this, all that, it was very well matched. And that I was uh, very happy, and I say to Claire and to all the team Busseron that I will be happy to collaborate with them in any project they want. I don't mind if it is with, uh, you know, uh, Silica Erzel or uh, Sky, or but when you see people that they look, they work like a team, you want to continue. So it is a material that is conceptual material. It is not hard like diamond, but because you it was nearby the diamond, and the, the white gold and the quartz, it was like a poem, a very nice composition. I was very glad to see. I, I, even me, I had not seen yet the final object. <laughs> you imagine. <laughs> there, there is always that uh, relationship between diamond being very hard, but at the same time, you need to take care of a diamond too, because if you touch it the wrong way, it can just shatter. So... Exactly, exactly. Every material has its own techniques and its own uh, modalities. Um, it is, when I started, I had no bibliography yet. Uh, now they start, the new generation starts a lot of with new people uh, starting working on aerosols because we need thermal insulation. And thermal insulation means because we have extreme heat, the, the, the change of the climate. So this uh, will drive us to build homes again design of textiles and garment design, homes that they will be much more safe than today. So we need insulation and uh, silica aerosol and all aerosols that they are made. Uh, now NASA is creating a yellow aerosol, not transparent, but like, um, let's say like a foam, but uh, solid that can, can withstand in extreme environments. So it will be applied to this kind of villages that we will build in, um, uh, Mars and uh, uh, Moon. So this kind of insulation, again, I tell you, it is the continuation of textile. 
a textile is an insulation. Insulation in our days is also being solo, being alone. So it speaks, this material speaks its uh, time. It's, um, epo it's, a, it's, a, it's very contemporary. You create work under your own name as an artist and as you mentioned, collaborated with a large brand like Boucheron and the team, of course, that works for Boucheron, which means, in a way, authorship was shared. Now, in academia, authorship seems to be very important to segment a career or and the same can apply to art. In the jewelry field, you can see designers operating under their own name or as part of a team of a larger brand. What are your thoughts, having sort of done both, on the importance of or irrelevance of authorship? Um, I will give you the answer I had uh, for the same question to the Indian professor um, where I went to Maharashtra, Sivaji University, to learn about this supercritical drawing, how we do supercritical drawing. And I was very, in the beginning, 2004, so three years of knowing the material, uh, I was asking, what about authorship? How we we protect ourselves? How we see ourselves? And he said once he said something very amazing. I I still remember him. Once the knowledge is out, it belongs to everybody. He said something very very beautiful. Of course, of course, we have to be very careful. Once it is, you have something, an idea. It is not yet. Proof concept. You have to have a, 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 a proof of concept before sharing because probably it is not working at all. So uh, in authorship um, and in academia and also I'm working in uh, Democritus. I am a research associate in Democritus National Research Association. It's a, it's a, a research foundation in, uh, uh, the, let's say, the NASA of, uh, of Greece. Okay. So we are doing a lot of experiments. In, I am in the Institute of Nanoscience and Nanomaterials as an artist, as an artist working there. Uh, so what uh, I wanted to say is that uh, when you have this kind of authorship coming in, to it has to come after the proof of concept, not before. Before you have to share with pe people, with teamwork, of course, people that you trust, that it doesn't go to steal your idea or something, but the authorship, that's why we publish papers. Until now, I can say, I'm working with some trade secrets. I mean, what I mean by that is that because I don't know yet how to make, and I don't care sometimes because I don't have time for patents. So I don't have time to, to run after uh, something that it is... Um, uh, continuous uh, research is continuous. It's not something that I discover a piece of rope and I will sell the rope for the rest of my life and I will win my my bread and my caviar. I want to win my bread and my caviar with my research. So I continue my research. I, there is no time. That's why I limit myself to trade secrets. And with Busseron, we had this deal. I keep my trade secrets because you don't pay me for shareholder and this kind of this uh, of things. But if you go to the market, then we will have another deal. Uh, this is how it works. And every time I have a research project, I keep my trade secrets until we see that it is something worth to sell. For our 
jury audience, what is it that is interesting to you as a researcher, as a as a, an artist in the medium of jewelry? So I will tell you that, that it is not interesting, but it is intriguing for me, the jewelry, because it is part of all my life. Look at this, not jewelry as jewelry itself, but as word. The word uh, jewelry in Greek is kosmima. Kosmima, it comes from cosmos. Cosmos is our cosmos. We know, okay, cosmos. So cosmos, in, um, in everything I am doing, there is the word cosmos inside. Not literally. For example, art decoration. Decoration in Greek is the cosmetiki. You have to transcosmos something. What I'm doing, the job I'm doing now in Greek is cosmitoras. You have to be the jewel of the uh, university. So, uh, um, uh, Dean, Dean, but uh, the Dean in Greek is Cosmitoras. So, uh, Cosmos is always part of my, of my life. So now, what I like and what I don't like in this approach of uh, the real jewelry. So, because there are dislikes in jewelry and probably that's why it comes many times. <laughs> so, I can, I can like it more. It is the show-off that I don't like. The show-off. If it is something... Like I don't like show-off cars or show-off uh, houses. If you know what you are doing when you buy and when you make, let's say, a buy of... Uh, and and um, you, you involve uh, money, investment. When you invest on jewelry, this is different. But when you make show-off on jewelry, when you create fake images to young adult kids that they see expensive jewelry and they imitate you, they want to imitate you and they make fake dreams to, and they, they want to, to, to catch the fake dreams. This there I am against jewelry. And I think jewelry had, uh, had started to feel that and they, they start to be more ethical. So the ethics in design is very important. How and when you wear a very expensive jewel. This is this is very important also. Of course, if you go to Cannes to take the Palme d'Or, of course you will wear you will wear the finest of the fine. But don't tell me that every day I have to wear diamonds and white gold in everyday life. And this is also the a marketing issue that. Uh, Old-fashioned markets, they they go to the expensive. Now markets of today markets on the day, the markets of tomorrow, they will sell dreams, and part of the dream can be the jewel. For example, wearing a piece of sky. This is a dream. This is a dream. This is this is that does not have um, a price. Has value. And once you have value in something, then you don't count if it is diamond or aerosol or brittle. You wear a message. It's like, um, and uh, this is uh, what I like to the jeweler because it attracts the eye. When you see a diamond, you feel well. You see rainbows. You see things that are uh, not every day. That's, it, is, it is exceptional, exactly the word. It is exceptional. We are bored with everyday life and we have exceptions. This exception can be a jewel. But if you know, and nowadays, uh, the public is much more informed. 
they want uh, objects that they have a meaning, they have a message. They don't want just something that it is flashy. If not, I will wear my the flash of my camera here. It is flashy <laughs> also. <laughs> Your work and research is located on what we have discussed as sort of science and art. And you have been exploring the boundaries between disciplines, but you have also spoken about these labels as themselves being perhaps old-fashioned or outdated. What do you think are the benefits and the disadvantages of perhaps disciplinary thinking and labeling of things? This is a difficult uh, to answer. Um, uh, you need open-minded people. If people, they are old-fashioned, but I don't, I don't approach them as old-fashioned, but if they have to be traditional, if they don't accept the different, the xenos, the, the stranger, the strange thing, the new thing, if they are not open-minded, then you will have always difficulties to overcome this kind of boundaries. Uh, you know, the boundaries, especially in art science, have been created in order to uh, put uh, the people in a, a rank of industrialization. So you are doing only bottles, I am doing only laptops. Uh, but this is over. This is over because we have internet. Internet, you can learn how to make bottles even uh, three years after you are born. So you don't need to go to go. We have Professor Google. I said to my to my students, when we they have difficult questions, uh, go to Professor Google to answer to, to, to have the answer. Anyway, so the difficulty is the mentality. This is the most difficult. But if you have people like me or like my students or uh, like you that they are they are touching different disciplines and they feel comfortable and they feel communicative also with others to this, then they can pass the message. For example, last uh, week I was in Germany for making a presentation on the sixth seminar of aerosols. All scientists, boring science, I can say, the, the, the types and recipes and everything, they put me as a jewel, as they put me at the end to close the old seminar of three days. And I had an exhibition and always it was a stairway to heaven uh, nearby to the, the every, every uh, lecturer. So artists, they communicate much better than scientists. But science is looking for truth. And we uh, artists, we are looking for beauty, but probably is one and the same. We are looking the same thing from different perspectives. So if you want to have easy breaking silos, it will not be that easy. But uh, it is good also because it is opening a dialogue. Everything that it is difficult, it opens a dialogue. And it creates, of, of course, in order to penetrate the scientific community, if we say that, you need to be equal to them. Uh, my PhD helped me a lot to be equal to them and to be invited to so many conferences and exhibitions. Uh, the other thing, I am in between, you know, this is like the parenthesis, I am in between science and art. And sometimes I'm not accepted from scientists, neither from artists. 
but sometimes I am because you are you are in limbo. Every artist has to be in limbo. Every artist has to be not secure. If you secure yourself, you destroy your art. And you the research and art they have the same. They are very to their own to their to their lab and they are looking after answers, and they're very exhibitionist. Very. They they saw the posters. They saw they go outside. They saw inventions, patterns. So we are very like, but we see from different points of view. Uh, I I was very lucky to have people nearby that they were enthusiasts, and the word enthusiast is um, um, something that will help a lot to continue to be to have enthusiasts. If you have enthusiasm, you continue and you you go farther. If you don't have enthusiasm and you don't believe how you will go to discover new things, how you will be um, a jewel to to offer beauty. So you have to have beauty in yourself to be enthusiastic, communicate to communicate it, and probably your communication will be a jewel or a paper or a book. That's how we go and. To those that they believe in silos and um, uh, old labels, what I have to say is, okay, keep them. It's okay to have labels. But you can use also the other side of the label when the sticker is gone. Okay? So take it, take it as a fact that you are the past with the labels. The future has no labels, even no education. You need curiosity only. If you are curious enough, you will find your path. Your education will come after your curiosity. If you are not curious, even if I inject you the education virus, you will not get it. <laughs> For anyone listening who thinks, oh, I'm really interested in sort of new materials, in exploring perhaps with these ideas and the boundaries of these disciplines, what do you think are the barriers to sort of look out for and would you have any advice to overcome them? Um, as I told you, the difficulties is to believe and trust people from other specialization. Because you say, oh, this is my community, I belong to this scientific community. When somebody is saying my jargo, he's speaking to my, my language, I can understand. When somebody is speaking about aesthetics, beauty, I cannot understand. But we all have that not cultivated in ourselves. Scientists, they like beauty. They observe, they are observers. So they like beauty, but they had not developed well or un until now this feeling of beauty. So that's why in our school in uh, American University of Cyprus, we introduce aesthetics and history of art even in business. Uh, management uh, students. We want them to feel, to understand beauty in order to have this kind of culture, not only education. Education, I, say, I insist, is old-fashioned. Put culture instead of education, you will have much more educated people. And this is a proof of the old, uh, let's say, uh, three generations or four generations before we had grandma and grandpa that they were cultivated, not educated, and very well and happy people. So we have to go back and learn from this. What is culture? What is education? And I told you about these two schools in France that they belong 
the Ministry of Culture, the Bozar and the Ardeco. We have to belong more in culture than in Ministry of Education, that is formalities. The other thing that I believe that we have to go to overcome these barriers is uh, another word that I, I gave you before, is enthusiasm and faith. If you don't believe what you are doing, you don't continue. You have to have faith. Of course, not egoism, not, not uh, uh, to be egoist and continue fake faith, faith on yourself, a faith and enthusiasm that starts from within and is communicating with others. And this comes back to you. Uh, open ears, observation, open eyes, and immediately when you have something that um, comes, an idea that comes to you, try to apply it. Ideas are like the birds. If they don't sit on your shoulder, they will sit in the shoulder of somebody else. Apply it immediately. <laughs> what is in store for you in the near future? Is there anything you are working on that we could be looking forward to, seeing, reading, that you are willing and able to share with us? There are three projects that I will share with you. This end of the year, <clears throat> two of my uh, artworks, they are um, rocketed to the moon. It will be inside the capsule with 300 artworks and two of them, they are uh, mine. Uh, one of them is Noli Metangere, Touch Me Not, regarding about uh, delicateness and fragileness. And the other one is uh, Bottled Nymph. So this will be part of a project. Uh, uh, Carnegie Mellon is sending this uh, moon arc. It's like a, an arc with uh, 300 artworks, poems, architecture in, on the moon. And it will stay there forever. There is no oxidation there, so they will stay forever. We will be dust of the dust and the artwork will be there. <laughs> this is a... So this is Moonark. If you want, you can Google Moonark project. The other one I can say uh, to you is that um, a scientific, and I have to support, as we say it in French, the scientific editor, that it is Springer Nature, uh, they had proposed me uh, several years ago to make a monograph with all my work, photos of my work, to uh, make a book. So this book, I can uh, now communicate the title, will be Art to Raised to the Power of Science. It will be Art with parentheses Raised to the Science. Small. The science is like, a, a, like to the third, to the cube, to the fourth. So Art to the Science. Art Raised to the Power of Science. And inside you will have the 20 years of aerosculptures as I named them, my work and uh, all the projects that I took uh, from 2001 at MIT until now. And uh, the last uh, one, very small um, outcome that we will have very soon next month is a paper, but very big outcome if it goes to the museum. Uh, we prepared with a team of uh, colleagues from the university and also international colleagues from Japan and elsewhere, we prepare a paper, art and science paper, that we name it, we name it Mother Tongue, with M in between parentheses, so other tongue. And we are talking about silica aerosol as a possible material for restoration of ancient sculptures. Imagine you have the broken arms of a, a, a kuros, 
or a statue and you replace it with a, a piece of sky. So in this paper, we are taking the cariat, cariated from British Museum. We replace the arms with silica aerosol ones, not plaster ones, and we exhibit them in the Acropolis Museum. Oh, that's really poetic as well to work in this way. It is. It has many, many, many meanings, many meanings. And uh, it is not only meanings, it is beautiful to see the real marble, the Greek marble, the Pentelic marble through the sky, because the sky was surrounding this uh, statue anyway. So we took the sky and we put it to the missing parts. And in, in a way, it's also something about time, isn't it? Because the sky, when you look through the sky and to the stars, you look in the past. The fact that you add aerogel to a, a sculpture that lost, in a way, you look back to what it originally was, but through the sky, through the past. It's really beautiful. That's great. That's great. Thank you. Are the boundaries between science and, in this case, maybe material science and art relevant and useful and necessary? Maybe, maybe not. But what is clear is that scientists and artists share many crossover interests. A material, originally designed for another specific purpose, became the subject of Ioannis Mikolodis' research and artistic work. His contributions have been valuable to the subject, which is in ongoing development both through science and art, if there should be such a distinction. As artists, we have the opportunity to look beyond what we know and be inspired by the new materials or other as they emerge in many disciplines. Who knows, you might come across a material that fits with your aesthetic, design ideology, or just inspires you to explore it beyond the bounds it is currently used for as well. So for sharing how this can be done, and for providing us with insights into your research, practice and work, I would like to thank you a lot, Ioannis, for being here with me. We are incredibly grateful for your time and very much look forward to seeing what you will be creating in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sophie, for your questions and for the very happy dialogue we had. Next month, I will be joined by another guest, so watch this space to find out who it is. But for now, this was Sophie Boons for the BAJ podcast episode titled Molding Sky with Ioannis Mikladis. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.